thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keaton. I'm joined today by three brilliant members of uh, Reach's Women's Football Team. Jack Lacey Hatton, all the way from Australia, who's there uh, watching England's game against Denmark, which is what we're going to spend most of the episode talking about. Jack, we'll come to you in a second, just for your thoughts on that game. Uh, but we're also joined today by Louise Wilkes and Hannah Pinnock, who, much like myself, are making uh, the debuts on the, uh, on, the, on the women's podcast around the uh, Women's World Cup as well. Uh, lovely to have you all with us today. But as I said there, Jack, going to come straight to you. You were in situ to watch the game. Another 1-0 win for England, but I suppose much like the game against Haiti at the weekend, we can probably describe this one as, as sloppy and kind of definitely having a lot of room for improvement for England. It's a win, that's all you want in competition football, but it kind of leaves you thinking that there's still a hell of a lot more to come from this England side, hopefully, anyway. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. I think that... Again, yeah, it's, it's another one nil that perhaps doesn't feel feel feels a little bit hollow. Um, it wasn't a, the the perfect performance, I, you know. So I actually thought for, for, for the first thirty minutes or so, England were pretty good. They were certainly uh, a, a lot better than they were against Haiti last week. Um, sort of had more more control in possession, um, a lot of a lot of yeah, precise movement, getting getting in behind the Danish defence. Um, but then obviously. Awful moment, sort of eight minutes before half time. Uh, Kira Walsh goes off on the stretcher, and I mean, to be fair, it's, it's natural, isn't it? You know, it's that any side are going to struggle to recover from uh, from losing the best player midway through quite a, a tense game. Um, I felt England coped with it okay, but yeah, the, the the second half definitely gave gave room for improvement. Again, giving the ball away in cheap areas. Which just invites pressure on yourself. I, I, the problem, the worry I have about England so far in these first two games is they've can they've been you know probably five or six quite clear cut chances against them. And I don't think teams are having to do anything that out of the ordinary to create these chances. Um, so so yeah, definitely there, there's definitely room for improvement. But you know let's 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 equally not be too downhearted. Two wins from two, top of the group uh, for now, and. Um, Depending on the uh, on the the result in the other game between China and Haiti, um, but yeah, top of top of the group, and they've kept two clean sheets, which is always important in tournament football. So, so yeah, they're, they're nearly in the knockout stage, and uh, and we should be thankful for that. Louise, coming to you next, though, uh, in terms of this starting eleven for the game today, we saw a few changes from Serena Vigman, obviously uh, Rachel Day being among those to come in. We also saw Lauren James come in as well on this podcast throughout this World Cup. Uh, I think every single person that we've had on has been championing the case for Lauren James, saying why she should start and handed that chance today and absolutely went down there and proved it. She was brilliant for, uh, for England, obviously scored the goal as well, and she showed exactly why she deserved to start, didn't she? Oh, absolutely. And I also want to give a little shout out, if I can, to Rachel Daly, because I know Hannah will fight me on this, because she's a, to Hannah, it's, it's a dead striker. She's number nine. But for me, as long as Rachel Daly's on the field, she makes an impact and she created that pass for Lauren James to turn, take a touch and fire at home. So I'm loving the fact that Lauren James is there. I think she deserves to be there. She brings something different to uh, Lauren Hemp, who occupies that left side and also Chloe Kelly. So we know if we need to play direct, we need to hit the channels. We need those two there. But Lauren James really controlled 
uh, the tempo today as well. And, you know, she slowed the game down. She held the ball really well. She brought in other players and created opportunities. So, yeah, I think she's given a really good account of herself for her first appearance at a World Cup. I mean, she, she really... She's really causing another headache, I think, for Serena Regman, and, and that's, that's great. That's what you want. You want play, young players to step up and show what they're made of, and she's absolutely done that. Hannah, one bad note, though, for England, that as well as we're talking about how great Lion James was, of course, the, the bad news coming from the game, Jack touched it already, Kira Walsh uh, having to be stretched off. Uh, and we do have a, a listener comment as well. So by all means, if you're, if you're watching the long live, please chuck in uh, any comments and we'll try and read them out. Uh, this one from Joe Birdwell Jr. Uh, saying that if Walsh has done her knee, I don't see England making it past the quarterfinals in this tournament. Hope I'm wrong. Hannah, in terms of what this injury means for England as well going forward, we saw how crucial Kira Walsh was last summer in the run to the to winning the Euros uh, on home turf. Uh, and again, you look at that kind of, you know, the spine of that team and, and you know, he's already lost Leah Williamson from, you know, in that central position when you run at the spine of that team. Lost Leah Williamson at, at centre-half. Ellen White's no longer leading the line. Kira Walsh is one of those players in, in that spine that kind of, you know, carried that continuity through from the Euros. Now it looks just like it's, it's pretty much just Millie Bright and, and Mary Earps that are remaining from that spine. So this is, this is a big blow to England because she's so crucial in where she plays, how she plays. And she's also a very talented player as well. Yeah, I mean, sort of agree with the comments there. I remember I said to the guys earlier that I kind of feel like England's hopes of winning the World Cup sort of left the pitch with Kira Walsh when she went off. Um, it's a huge, huge blow. And I think we've become so used to it in the women's game when players go down like that, you you automatically think the worst. And, you know, I remember feeling the exact same when I watched Leah Williamson go down a few months before the World Cup and you're sort of thinking, oh dear, that, that looks like an ACL. I, I think we can only hope for the best with Kira um, obviously until anything's confirmed then um, we, we have to hope that that she'll make it back to play at least some part of this tournament because she is you know like you said there she is so integral to, to this England team and the way that they play I think my biggest concern with it is how England cope without her if that makes sense I mean there's a few players that if you lose them that it's a blow but you've sort of got players there that can fit in that role I think it was Ellen White that was saying in punditry after the game that even at the Euros last year, Kira Walsh was the one player that they didn't really have a plan B for. If they were to lose Kira, then then they've not really got any backup to that and kind of feels like the same now. I, I don't really know. I mean, to be fair, it's probably one of the biggest headaches and biggest obstacles that, that Serena Wiegmann has, has faced so far as England manager, in my opinion, because when you lose a player of, of that calibre and, and that magnitude that's so important to the way that you play, it's difficult to see what England can do to sort of work around that now so yeah it's, it's a huge blow and I think the guys would agree it's just it was quite heartbreaking watching her get stretched off then. Jack this is I feel a bit unfair coming to you on this point because you, you may not have seen it again you know as we say you're out in Australia uh, but watching the game uh, back from England uh, Jonas Eideval was on uh, BBC's uh, punditry team uh, watching along in the studio uh, suggesting as well that the injury, part of the injury and, and part of what caused it is the fact that they weren't watering the pitches uh, in Australia. To me, that sounds laughable. Like how, how have we got to a senior international tour? And this would never happen in the men's game. And, and, and I suppose that kind of adds to the perhaps anger around this, this injury, um, you know, that it, that it was so avoidable. You know, that if <laughs> I know it's, it's, you know, very simplistic to say if they'd watered the pitch, you wouldn't have got injured. But to know that this is something that, that has, perhaps caused it, perhaps aggravated it, that 
we get to a Women's World Cup and they're not even taking those precautions of kind of trying to walk the pitch and, and leaving them rock hard and, and leaving players exposed, you know, already coming into this tournament, there was, you know, there's, as Louise touched on there and, and Hannah as well about, you know, injuries and, and kind of the mountain injury list that we had to start players coming into this tournament. We get here and, and there's still, you know, preventable injuries that are occurring, serious ones for these players. It, it's not good enough really, is it, in terms of from the tournament organisers that they're not, taking the same precautions that they would do in the men's world cup it just doesn't sit right with me okay i completely agree i mean i i on Jonas Alvedel's comments uh that he's obviously obviously coming from a place where he's had lost two key players himself to acls it's not just england that lost those players beth mead and leah williamson this season so uh perhaps he's not oversensitive but perhaps he's naturally going to be a bit more emotional on this issue um Serena Vegan was asked about his the, those exact comments uh, in the post-match press conference. Obviously, word travels fast, um, and she said she didn't know what what they were talking about. Quite frankly, um, I, I must say as well for, from my view, I had a perfect view of the pitch tonight, front front row of the, the press box and the pitch. I mean, to be fair, it's probably the last time I ever in any pre-match coverage state on how beautiful the pitch looks before um, kickoff because to me it looked absolutely pristine condition, no issues whatsoever. Um, but but that was only my view. Um, obviously, Serena doesn't seem to think that that, that was a factor in, in Kira Walsh's issue, uh, injury. Um, but equally, if pitches aren't being watered properly, yeah, that would be that would be almost laughable. You wouldn't get that in any other. Um, I don't think any other level of elite sport, never mind football, about the the, the surfaces being in absolutely top quality condition these days. There's, there's no excuse for it, certainly. Um, but th- this wasn't, you know, elite sports village for for a WSL game this was a, a fantastic setting a, a fantastic venue this evening so I, I would hope I would hope that that didn't play any part in the issue but uh, in the injury but obviously let's let's wait and see uh, for the diagnosis that that might reveal more on that Louise, just sticking with uh, BBC's coverage of the game today as well, and it, there was something, um, and especially in the second half, something I picked up on from uh, Rachel Brown Phineas on commentary, um, talking about England, again, their inability to, to kill off the game, something that nearly hurt them against Haiti, and again, nearly hurt them uh, against Denmark as well, especially in the second half. Late on, uh, Emily Vansgaard going close with her header crashing against the crossbar or, or the woodwork or the post or whatever it was. It, it looked like it hit the angle anyway. But, you know, those kind of moments where you think if they'd been able to, where they had that control, and we spoke about already about how the kind of first 30 minutes, they look really on top. And if they'd scored a second goal there, it makes it a lot more comfortable. But you always leave yourself a little bit exposed when you don't get that second goal when you are on top. And, and again, Inkin perhaps a little bit fortunate towards the end of the game not to concede an equaliser and perhaps come out of this uh, with three points rather than just one. Oh, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But um, also with, with the punditry, um remember who said it, but they were talking about the the fact that, yeah, it impacts us now, Kira Walsh is potentially ruled out, but also how it impacted the other team. They saw a hole. So they could now, the, the two uh, attack midfielders could join Penelope Harder and press our back too, which which caused absolute chaos in the second half. We didn't, we didn't know how to deal with it. So Millie Bright's lumping the ball long way. Um, uh, Bronze whack the ball on way. Laura Coombs was doing it, and you're like, "What are you doing? You are like top level. You know that's not going to work. That's just going to come back at you." So, I think there's just this element of they need to just have some time on the pitch without Kira Walsh there. 
they need to take this time, these next three, four days to just gel because I think we're going to see that again and again. And we were really lucky. I think we really, well, that could have been 2-1 loss to us, I think. Um, and if, if we're coming up against sides like Spain, Germany, uh, USA, maybe in the final, fingers crossed, uh, we're going to be punished for that. And we just really need to find a way of doing it. And I, and I don't know why, I don't know why they're panicking. We've got quality players. We can play out the back. We've got fast forwards. You know, we, we've, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't understand how we've not sort of seen the game out. We, we really were in control that 30 minutes, that first 30 minutes. And far Kira Walsh coming off, I don't really know what went wrong other than we started to panic. Hello, overall, uh, on, on the two games so far, and it, and it does seem strange to say that England are, haven't conceded yet. They've won both games. But we're we're all sat here, all in agreement that there's still a, a long way to go. And I'm sure you'll share that 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 view as well. That you kind of look at the first two games for England, and you kind of you're happy they've won, but you kind of feel a little bit underwhelmed. I think so far, you know, expectations were that high. Perhaps you were looking for England to to lay down a marker. We've not yet seen that, but you have to then obviously tally it with the fact that they've got the job done in both games. Yeah, I mean, tournament football, I guess, is all about hit and form at the right time, if that makes sense. But with England, there is a lot of expectation. We saw how clinical they were at the Euros. We've become so accustomed to an England team, especially under Serena Wiegmann, that that performs and is clinical and is solid as well. And I I think it's just more the fact that that we haven't seen that. And it is bizarre to say, because as you mentioned there, two clean sheets, two wins, you're thinking, what's the problem? But I think it's because we know that that this isn't the level of performance that this team is capable of, and you know Louise said it there as well that that better teams will punish us. If, and that the frustrating thing for me, you know, the last few games is the amount of senior players, especially that that are giving the ball away. I mean, I saw Rachel Daly do it in the first half, Lucy Bronze a couple of times, Millie Bright's still not quite at full fitness, and she's giving away cheap balls, and and suddenly the opposition are in and, and have a huge opportunity to score. Players like Sophia Smith, players like Alexandra Pop, they will punish you in those situations. And that's that's what I think the concern is at the moment. And, you know, when you lose someone like Kira Walsh that that dictates the tempo and is almost that shield for the back line, especially as well, um, it is it is a concern. So there's plenty of room for improvement. I, d- I don't want to be too <laughs> like negative about it, you know, because at the end of the day, England are still in a fantastic position in the group. And I think knockout games, the tempo's up and, you know, suddenly everything's on the line. So um, in that respect, I, I, I hope with every ounce of my being that we can hit that form that we need to. But I think injuries have certainly played a huge part in in where England are at, at the moment. They've lost so many key players. They've pretty much lost almost their entire spine. And you're talking about Millie Bright coming back after not playing for two months. She's not going to be quite at full fitness. So it is, that's probably the area that that's sort of caused this. And, you know, when you're, you're missing so many key players, it, it does bite you in some way. But it's up to Serena to get the best out of the players that she, that she has got available. Um, and team selection will play a part in that as well. So... Um, I'm sort of hoping to see a couple of changes against China. I'd, I'd like to see Bethany Ingwin given a go. She's going to stick with Rachel Daly at left back, which I hope is more down to the fact that she maybe doesn't trust her defensive options rather than it being a case of not trusting Rachel up front because for me, Rachel's England's best striker. But um, 
we're not quite clicking up top at the moment. So I, I think that does call for some kind of changes and and maybe China will, the game against China will present an opportunity to do that. Yeah, Hannah, it's not just you who wants to see uh, Beth England as well. We had another comment in from uh, Holly suggesting that she can't wait to see uh, Beth England get, uh, oh, well, she was happy to see her get on the pitch against Denmark and hopes that she starts against China as well. Jack, just continuing on the theme though of how England have been getting on so far, um, and, and Hannah touched on it there, you know, competition football, it's about peaking at the right time. And, and are we perhaps overthinking how England have been playing so far? Because you don't want them to peak in the group and play brilliantly. You know, I, I cast my mind back to the men's competition uh, again in November. And I can't remember thinking, you know, Brazil are going to walk this World Cup in, in how they played in the groups. And then they suffer a very early exit and go out in the quarterfinals against Croatia. And it's bye-bye on the plane home. They're not going home in the World Cup, despite how well they played in those early matches. And I, I suppose that's the way that you want to be. You want to build, you want to build, you want to build. You don't want to show your hand too early in the group stages and, and play all this brilliant football and get all your goals out of the way. You said that by the time you come to the knockouts, you're, you're kind of scratching around for a performance. And maybe that's what the optimism uh, and the optimist in me is thinking with England in that they are building into this tournament. They are slowly building up some momentum that when it does get to those knockout stages, that's when the top performances start coming. Yeah, completely. And I'd, I don't even think that's just an overly optimistic view. I, I, I think that is, that is the, we see it all the time in tournaments um, and you, you don't have to go back that far. I mean, even in, in 2015, uh, at the World Cup in Canada, which I think for a lot of people was sort of a big breakthrough moment for the England women's team in terms of overcoming that mindset of we can't perform on the international stage. Suddenly that was gone, that was taken away. But if you go back to that World Cup, um, the England side, then under Mark Sampson, really struggled in the group stage. They, they played, I think, as badly as any England team has ever done at any World Cup in their opening game, lost to France. Uh, um, we're one nil down against Mexico in the second game with about not not long to go, and sort of managed to pull it around and get a two one win, and then then sort of then the momentum picked up, and then and then the tournament shifted in another direction. And I, I, you know, perhaps we don't know yet. I'd like to think that Lauren James' goal tonight um, would have would have been that moment, that catalyst for England to suddenly give them lift off because they certainly didn't have it in their first game. Um, sadly, the, the 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 unfortunate injury to Kira Walsh might sort of might set that back a bit. Um, but yeah, you you don't want to be peaking during the group stage. Um, look at any German side, I think men's or women's, whenever they win a, a tournament as well, they're, they're never peaking during the group stage. They're, they're always coming to the fore at the business end when it really ma- matters. And I, I know I mentioned it already, but it's, it sounds a little obvious, but don't over- underestimate the importance of a clean sheet. Just keeping clean sheets in tournament football is massive. It's so, so important. And um, I, I think there is more to come from this England team, but they'll be getting confidence all the time. This is, again, this is a new back four. Obviously, she switched the back four again tonight. Like we've said, Rachel Daly coming in, Alex Greenwood back at centre half, which I, I thought that Greenwood and Bright together looked a lot more comfortable than uh, the, the pairing last week of Bright and Carter. But either way, the, the, this new defence you can have the world's best goalkeeper behind you, but you need games to get your confidence up. And and those consecutive clean sheets, um, I, I think will start to do that. And yeah, it, it, you, you expect England to, to, to play better, I think, against Haiti in Denmark. And that's no disrespect to those teams. But, you know, England, the European champions, blew a, a very good Norway team away 8-0 in the, in the group stage at the Euros last year. You know, have beaten pretty much every team laid out in front of them over the past 12 months. So I would have expected um, 
two mo- more coherent performances, certainly. Um, but you, you're totally spot on. Let, let's not panic. Um, it, it'll really matter when it gets to that knockout stage, particularly quarterfinals onwards. That's when I want to see this England team peaking. I suppose no one will remember the performances if England do uh, come back with the World Cup in their luggage as well. They'll, they'll forget about the performances in the group stages and they'll, they'll just focus on the, on how brilliant it was to win it. Jack, I'm going to stick with you on this next point though. Um, so just looking at the, the competition a bit wider now, we had great scenes from both hosts, New Zealand and Australia in their opening games, both running those. Of course, New Zealand as well, winning at a Women's World Cup for the first time. Phenomenal scenes for them. So you go from that high in that elation to match day two and both of them losing. You're out in Australia, as, as we said, for all in England, but I just wanted to kind of get a feeling, get an understanding if there's been a dip in the, in the kind of mood around the country since that defeat to Nigeria in the second match. Because the worst thing, I think, for this competition here as well would be if, you know, one or both of the, the hosts happen to go out in the group stages and we're, we're facing a real prospect of that now. They've both got serious work to do to make it through to the knockout stage. Yeah, totally. And I, I, there was a, a couple of people I've been chatting to earlier. There was a, one bloke who was um, working behind the car in a sports shop I was in, and he, he was saying uh, that, that it's just complete. If, if Australia go out, I mean, this is a sport loving nation. They're completely mad about any sport over here. But if Australia go out, then naturally it, interest could could drop significantly. Um, that to be fair, all, I think all games across the board, both here in Australia and in New Zealand, have been reasonable. Well, well attended certainly, and compared to other uh, women's World Cups of the past, uh, I think it's you know it's done all right in terms of ticket sales so far, and it'll it'll push on when it gets to the business end of the competition. Um, but you're right, we we all know we know, don't we? Co-hosts for for it to be remembered as a truly great tournament, the co-host doesn't need to win it, but the, the host nation needs to need to do well. They need to get through the group stage, um, and I, yeah, I think it has been a bit of a wake up call uh, for Australia. Although certainly there's there's still you know, plenty of fans, just neutral fans at the game tonight at the fan park throughout the day. Um, so it hasn't sort of one result, I don't think, will will tarnish their, their feeling towards this tournament. And I think if they can uh, can get through, it'll be a t- tough last game for them though against against uh, Canada. It, it won't be easy. I think it'll be really tough for them to get still get out of the group. Um, but if they can do it, then, then yeah, you'll see another surge in interest. And I'm sure it's the same over in New Zealand as well. I've not been there myself, but I think for them, it's more just a missed opportunity in terms of they had a game against the Philippines. You'd expect them, you'd expect them to win that anyway, um, regardless of their result in the first game. And obviously, complete upset, beaten one nil, poor performance. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be. I think for them, it's just a, they'll see it as a missed opportunity. But but I wouldn't back against either side not definitely getting through. I think yeah, it's 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 tough. So it'll be tough for both on the final day. And of course, he's probably looking like the realistic prospect now that if Australia do make it through the groups, that they'll uh, perhaps face England in the uh, in the round of sixteen. Just just in case you needed any more spice added to that fixture. Um, Louise, one team though that won't be looking forward for the knockout stages, unfortunately, uh, the Republic of Ireland going home from their debut uh, competition in in the group stages. Two games, two defeats, but they can be proud of their efforts, can't they? You know, it was a tough group for them. Uh, Tough matches against the hosts, Australia first up, and then against Canada as well, a, a side who perhaps could be uh, maybe outsiders to go to, to, to go all the way as well. You know, obviously the success that they had at the Olympics previously. 
It's, it's two tough games for them, but they can be proud of their efforts and how they performed in both of those matches. Yeah, um, you're talking to someone who wasn't a particular fangirl of Katie McCabe because my teams have always played against her, you know, Arsenal fan, not an Arsenal fan. So I've gone into there going, oh, you know, Katie McCabe, she's dangerous, whatever. And actually, I have to be honest, she's won my heart over in these two games. She's absolutely won my heart on her sleeve. And that's not just her, that's all the players that, they're there, they're there not to make up the numbers and they really surprised me when they, and I think they surprised Canada when with that, um, with that curling corner kick. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. She opened her arms out like, I'm here, like this is me, I'm on the stage. And I think the Ireland are going to have a moment and I think that was their moment for them to go, right, let's really push this next competition. We want to, we want to really show up and do some damage because they have and they can be really, really proud of it. Um, and like I said, now I am a, a Katie McCabe fan, and I never expected to say that on any podcast. So there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to to be witnessing firsts on this show as well, and, and people changing opinions as well. That any any regular listeners to Football Guy just knows that that's normally my uh, thing as well. I will happily change uh, opinions on a regular basis as well, and happily be proved wrong. Um, Hannah, just finally before we wrap up for today. Um, as well in the second round of matches in the group stages, we've already seen uh, a rerun of the 2019 final uh, USA against Netherlands, ending in a 1-1 draw. But just on a wider point, what have we seen from the USA so far? Have you been, do you think that they are rightly still the favourites for this competition? Or like England, are they slowly starting to find their feet and kind of we might see them kick on a bit in the knockout stages? I mean, for me, the USA will always be... <laughs> Favourites for a World Cup, you know, they're, they're, they're serial winners at the end of the day. Um, I don't think they'd be too frustrated or disappointed with the results so far. Obviously, the, the rerun of the final um, yesterday from the 2019 final, they'll probably be a little bit disappointed with the result maybe, but interesting to see. I mean, there's a possibility they might not even get out of their group if, if Portugal can do something against them. And Portugal have had a pretty impressive tournament already um, themselves, which is probably a bit of a surprise for some. So we'll see what happens there. Obviously, as an England fan, if the USA can get knocked out, then that would be absolutely great. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're the current world champions at the end of the day and and they do have some, some frightening players. They have winners all over the pitch. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them, similar to maybe what we're hoping will happen with England. They'll probably peak at the right time themselves if they can get through and you know they 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 know how to get through those knockout games they know how to dig deep and and get over the line when it matters the most so um that's fully what I expect to see but they themselves have, have had a lot of injuries to contend with and you know I do think personally I do think maybe a European team might actually win the World Cup this year I, I think over the last four years in particular the likes of Spain Germany are back on the rise as well. Obviously, England are on the up as well in terms of the FIFA rankings. So I, I, I do think possibly a European team could win it this year, but you can never you can never write off the USA. You can write them off at your peril. But um, yeah, I, I expect them to, to turn things around once the knockout stages run around. But they, they've got a lot of injuries and they've got a young squad themselves with the likes of Sophia Smith coming through and players like that. So it'll be interesting to see see what happens. But yeah, um, I'm, you can't really write them off at this stage. Jack, Louise, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. As always, uh, of course, you can keep up to date for the latest from the Women's World Cup. 
uh, on the Daily Mirror website as well as uh, across the socials as well. And and there's also some brilliant bits uh, too from our fantastic women's football team. As, as you can see, three of them that have joined us uh, here today for this show uh, across the Reach's regional titles as well, so including Magic News, Liverpool Echo. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, Alonso. Really appreciate that as well. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to look ahead to England's final group stage game against China, so be sure to look out for that one. Uh, and of course, keep enjoying the Women's World Cup.